and like for you to go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter. I want to take my text from there this morning and look at some interesting thoughts that God has given me this past week. My mom, and maybe your mom, or maybe your grand, maybe your grand, grandma, used to make the statement, you want your cake? Finish it for me. And eat it too. You ever, ever, ever anybody say that to you? Well, duh. Yeah. Why would you get the cake if you wasn't going to eat it? Tell me how, tell me how that does or that does not make sense. If you got the cake, you want to eat the cake. And thinking of cake, I remember that old song from the 70s. Anyone remember the song? Can you sing it with me? Someone left the cake out in the rain. I don't think that I can take it because it took so long to bake it and I'll never have that recipe again. Oh, no. I mean, you've never heard that song before. Sorry, this younger generation had to put up, put up with that, but it was like, it was the stupidest, and it was a long song. It wasn't a show. It was like a five-minute song, and at the end of the song, I mean, you're going to take a pistol and, and, and blow your brain, shoot yourself in the head because it was so stupid. But this morning for a few minutes, my thought is, and this is for Austin, because Austin always has to have his sermon title. Say this with me. The cake is in the crumbs. The cake is in the crumbs. Matthew 24, I mean, I'm sorry, Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, demonically possessed. But he answered her not a word. And the the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Send her away, she's getting on our nerves. Send her away. She's irritating. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You need to realize that when Jesus came, he came for the house of Jacob. The Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, which believe in his name, which are born not of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When Christ came, he came to Israel, Israel rejected him, and he made the invitation available to all of us, whosoever believeth. Aren't you glad this morning that you're part of that number? But when Jesus was walking the earth, he wasn't there for the Gentiles. He was there for the Jew. And that's the statement he's making. This woman is calling out for help, but I didn't come to help her. I came to help the lost sheep of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him. Look at somebody say, worship makes all the difference in the world. Worship will get God's attention. It will bring his faithfulness. It will open doors. It'll do things that prayer and praise cannot do. There's just something about worship. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. It's kind of tough here what Jesus was saying, and if you 
if you wanted to, you could get your feelings hurt. Are you comparing me to a dog? Well, kind of. It's what it says. It's not fit for me to take meat and cast it to the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Look at somebody and say, the cake is in the crumbs. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, for it is unto thee even as thy will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. That very hour. Jesus says, we don't give the cake to the dogs. And she said, that's true, but the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the table. I got to thinking about dogs in, um, 60, in 65 years of life. Over half of my life was spent with a dog. As, as long as I can remember, there's always been a dog in my life. When I was a young child, I remember we had a dog. We grew up with a poodle by the name of Christy, and uh, we had her probably at least 15. Do we have a Christy in the building? We named our dog after you, Christy. Uh, she, was in our, she was in our life. She actually died of old age, and she was uh, fat and lazy and sassy. And one of the reasons that she was fat and lazy and sassy was I would always feed her under the table. And, you know, when you think about dogs in your life, sometimes the dogs in your life eat better than you do. Can anybody relate? It wasn't crumbs that I would feed Christy, but it would be a piece of steak or a piece of burger or a piece of chicken. And I got to thinking, you know, it's not so bad under the table because there's always someone like me that's going to feed you. Even if you tell me not to feed your dog, when you're not looking, I'm going to slip something under the table for your dog because I feel sorry for your dog. Your dog should be eating the crumbs that fall from the table. You're beholding them of that. That's against animal violations, Sec. 3, 12, 14 in the code book of Cleveland that you cannot withhold from the dogs. And so I remember even when Pastor Ron and I got married, we've had Dalmatians, we've had Maltese, uh, we've had Chihuahuas, and uh, for, for years, we've, and now there's Azalea is in our basement. Bell Bell lived with us for, and so, so I can relate time after time after time, giving food to Bell under the table, even though Courtney told me not to because she said it gives her, her indigestion. And that's the reason I give Gene and Lita's kids candy, even though they tell me not to. It's because I can, and I'm the grandpa. And grandpas can get away with stuff that nobody else can get away with. When I think about that thought that the cake is in the crumbs, when you think about it the other uh, day, I, I won't tell on Pastor Todd, but I cut the, I cut the fudge up into sections, and there was some, there was some pieces left over, this little piece, section, and Pastor Todd was in there eating the little, and you know, the, the pieces are just as good as the whole. Would you not agree? I remember when my mom, and it, probably once every two weeks, my mom would make a chocolate cake, and that was my favorite, and it still is. And mom knew that I always liked to lick the bowl. And when mom wasn't mad at me, she would leave extra in the bowl to leak. But if mom was mad, she scraped every little spoonful, every little morsel, and make sure that I got nothing. That was just the way that we rolled. That's the way our family rolled, and I just had to, I had to, I had to deal with that. But I got to thinking about the crumbs that fall from the master's table, that, you know, if all we ever get in life is crumbs, the cake is in the crumbs. 
It's there. And God wants us to have it. I went through some thoughts in the Word of God concerning leftovers and concerning uh, seconds. And uh, there are some things that are better the second day. How many can relate? Meatloaf, I think, is better the second day. What, what else are some of the things that are Spaghetti is better the second day. And so, I mean, we're we're on a roll now. And this second says, chili Chili is better. That's right. Chili is better the second day. So some things are better left over. And I got to thinking about all of that and thinking about leftovers. And there are two times in the Bible, many confuse the two as one, but there are not. There are two incidences in the Bible when the multitude was there being fed by Jesus spiritually, and he decides to feed them physically, and the disciples say, hey, we don't have the money it would take to feed this multitude. Send them away. Let them go feed themselves and come back. Jesus said, no, I'm not done teaching. Let's go ahead and feed them. What have we got? And I love that question, what have we got? And I want to ask you this morning, what have you got that can make a difference in your life? When the widow came to a snag in her life and the the taxes were so bad that they were going to arrest her sons and put them to work to pay off her taxes, she went to the man of God and said, I am in trouble. They're going to take my sons away. And the man of God says, what have you got? She said, well, I don't have anything. Well, look again and see what you've got. She said, well, I don't have anything but this little cruise of oil. And the man of God said, that's all you need. Go and borrow all the vessels you can. Now, what a crazy request. What a crazy order. What a crazy thing for the man of God to say. We don't know how many vessels she borrowed, but the Bible says she borrowed not a few. That means she didn't just go out and get two or three. She got a a plethora of vessels and brought them. And the man of God said, now take the oil and fill the vessels. Now, what kind of faith would that take to take a little cruise in a gallon container, and start pouring. But the Bible says enough oil came out of that little container to pay her taxes and to get her ahead in life. God has always used leftovers. There's always been times in life when it looked like there wasn't enough to go around, but how many knows God always makes enough to go around? I can relate when it felt like it was four days late, everything was stinking, everything was out of order, but God said if you'll roll the stone of disobedience, if you'll roll the stone of discouragement, if you'll roll the stone of doubt, if you'll roll the stone of depression, if you'll make an effort to do better, I'll help you get better. Aren't you glad this morning that God honors the effort? It doesn't take a lot to get his attention. He's a God that pays attention to details. And when I talk talk about the lunches, they say, well, all we've got is this little boy. He's got five loaves and two fishes. He said, well, bring it to me. And he blessed it, and then he told them to give it and and to feed the multitude. The Bible said there were 5,000 men. Didn't count the women or children. There could have very easily been seven to 8,000 people in that crowd. But the Bible said not only did everybody get plenty to eat, but when it was over, Jesus took up the crumbs. And guess how many crumbs there were? Twelve baskets. Why 12 baskets? Because there were 12 disciples that had doubt, and they were rewarded extra basket. How, how about that? Is that incredible? The second time, there were 4,000 men, and we don't know how many women and children. We could probably say six or 7,000 people, and they came to Jesus and said, hey, the people are hungry. Send them away. He said, no, I'm not done teaching. Uh, what have we got? 
say, oh, we've got seven loaves and two fish. And he goes, well, bring it to me. He blessed it. They broke it, and they fed that multitude. And then they took up the crumbs, and guess what was left? Seven, seven baskets of bread and fish. I don't know why there were seven, maybe because that's a number of perfection, completion. Maybe that's just a number that he, he chose to gather up. But God has always been in the crumbs. And God pays attention to details. The Bible talks about Aaron being anointed with oil from the top of his head to the bottom of his garment. And that oil just flows and that oil just runs and that, that oil just pours over. And I think a, a season about 20 years ago when I was a wild man and I had a bottle of oil. I don't know how many were. Chris, you and Susan were probably with me then. But I took that bottle of oil and I poured the entire contents on on Tim Sally's head. Was you there that service when I did that? You remember that? And then I got another bottle of oil and poured a bottle on, on, on Kelly, uh, um, help me. No, when Kelly Goins, it was the other, Kelly Dossie. I poured it on his head. And you know, when you look back and reflect back from that moment in their life until now, of course, Kelly went to be the Lord. But those men both financially prospered, spiritually prospered, prospered, were blessed, were into ministry. So if you want your minister to be blessed today, if you'll bring me a bottle of oil, I'll pour it over your head and we'll see what happens. But aren't you glad today that the oil doesn't run out? Don't, aren't you glad today that widow had that little bit of oil? Today we've got a little bit of oil. He doesn't demand a lot, but little is much if God is in it. The Bible says, I believe in, Pastor Ronald will help me, to despise not small beginnings. Where is that? Zechariah. In the Bible, says, despise not small beginning. Don't feel like you don't have enough to give. You don't have enough to get the flow started. You do. If it's in God's hands and it's blessed, it's going to prosper. It's going to grow. Take inventory on what you have. What do you have that you can turn around today and be a blessing for the kingdom of God? What can you do? What can you say? What can you pray? What can you be involved in? And I brought a couple of things to your attention today, and I think of Matthew 8 and 8 where it says they, they brought a, um, Jesus was headed to pray for somebody, and there was a man that came to Jesus, and he said, my son is sick. I need your help. And Jesus said, I'll go to your house. And he said, listen, you don't have to go to my house. All you have to do is speak the word. Look at somebody and say, speak the word. The cake is in the declaring of the word. When you begin to declare the word of God and have trust in it and believe in it and give it room to work, there's cake in the word of God. Aren't you glad this morning? I remember one particular setting, Jesus in the temple. He's watching the offering. People are coming. People are giving. There are some that are coming and giving a lot. There's some that's coming, give a little bit. And there was there was a there was a, a wealthy man that came and he made a big to do about giving a large amount into the container that didn't touch Jesus. And then there was a little widow that came and gave her two mites and, and put them in the offering. And Jesus stopped everybody and said, Let me tell you something. What she has done is more than what he has done. He pays attention to detail. The cake is in the sowing. The cake is in the giving. You can't outgive God. You can't do it. If you try to outgive God, all he does is open up windows, five windows, begins to bless you, begins to restore you. But listen, as an ex-marijuana grower, I can tell you today, if you don't put seed in the ground, you're not going to harvest any Maui Wowie. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to take place. You've got to have seed in the ground. 
I do not want to stand before God one day and, and feel like that I planted more in me than I did in the kingdom. I don't want that. I believe that God blesses me so I can bless others. I can make a difference in somebody's life, and I'm proud to be a part of a church that makes a difference in people's lives. This week, we were able to help a single mom with gas. This week, we were able to send some coats to the extreme weather. This church is always doing something. There's always something going on. Will we do more if we had more money? Absolutely. But we take what we have, we budget it, we do what we do with what we've got, and God has been faithful. When I stand before God, I want him to say, you weren't stingy, you weren't cringy, you were, you were, you were, you were over and above and you're giving. That's what I want to hear from God. I would rather Pastor Honda tell us, hey, we put too much money in the offering this week. We're going to have to eat hamburger instead of steak. I don't have a problem with that. Hamburger is good. Put a little A1 sauce on anything, and it tastes great. And I don't want to make you hungry this, this morning like I did last time we were together. As Jesus is on his way, look at somebody say, the cake is in declaring the word, speaking the word, walking in the word. There's a story in the Bible in Matthew 9 and 21 that Jesus is headed somewhere, and there was a woman that had an issue of blood. And she spent all the money she had on doctors and medicine. She was broke, but she heard about Jesus. And she said, you know, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. And as she made her way to Jesus and pushed through the crowd and pushed through the multitude, the Bible says she reached and touched the tassels on his prayer shawl. And as she touched the tassels on his prayer shawl, which he had draped over his shoulders, immediately she was healed. And immediately Jesus felt something leave him. You know what would be neat this afternoon for Jesus to say to God, hey, you know what, this morning in Cleveland, Tennessee, I felt something leave me. Hey, you know what, this morning in Cleveland, Tennessee, I poured out some blessings. In Cleveland, Tennessee, I poured out some favor. In Cleveland, Tennessee, I performed some miracles. I did some healings. I did some restoration. I touched some marriages. I touched some, I touched some ministries. I touched some finances. Wouldn't that be neat for him to feel something leave him today? Because we actually touched him in our praise. We touched him in our worship. We touched him in our prayer. We touched him in our offering. We got his attention, and God came down, and glory filled this house as it did a few minutes ago. Did you experience that? That as we begin to go beyond the norm of worship, as we, as we stayed there in that one song, in that one, that one porch we were, all of a sudden God sporadically began to touch others. They begin to come to the altars. That's what it's all about. I'm telling you, that's what it's all about. And say, say with me, to so, say to someone today, the cake is in the faith. The cake is in the faith. And then I remember there was a guy by the name of Daniel. Daniel lived about 2,500 years ago. Daniel had a dream. And ironically, Jennifer, the dream he had related to our generation, a prophetic dream that would not take place for 2,500 years. And Daniel did not understand the dream. He knew it was of God. He'd had some dreams before. And David, he knew it was of God, but he didn't know what God was trying to say. So he set a window and began to fast, and he began to pray. He fasted the first day, he prayed. He fasted the second day, he prayed. And he fasted 21 days and prayed. And at the end of 21 days, Gabriel, who's the angel of Revelation, appeared to him and said, Daniel, 
God heard your prayer 21 days ago and gave me the answer, but I've been battling the prince of Persia, which is Lucifer, and for 21 days he has tried to keep me from bringing your word, your direction, your interpretation. So I went back to heaven and got Michael. Michael's the kung fu guy. That's the warring angel of God. I went back and got Michael, and now Michael is beating up on Lucifer, and I came to tell you the purpose and the plan of your dream. Aren't you glad this aren't you glad that God that 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 cake is in perseverance? We learned that last last Wednesday night perseverance keep doing the right thing staying focused staying consistent. And then the last thing I want to leave with you is in Luke 6 and 12. And Jesus on several occasions would leave the disciples and he would pray all night long. I believe if the Bible says all night long, it meant all night long. I believe he left them around 9 or 10 o'clock at night, let them get bedded down, let them go to sleep, and then he went. And the Bible says that everything he did during the day, Aaron, God showed him the night before what he was going to do, where he was supposed to go, who he was supposed to meet, the woman at the well, the different appointments he had in, in, in ministry. God, the night before, Becky would show him where he was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do. And I believe the cake is in prayer. I believe that prayer, I believe that prayer is the solution to 90% of the challenge that we go through is that God has the ability to continue to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And what is that power? That power is the ability, no certain hour, no certain time. You can night or day, the middle of the night, the middle of the morning, the middle of the afternoon. You can go to God and say, God, I'm here. I'm making you aware of what's going on. It's not all about asking him, but it's about praising him and acknowledging him and worshiping him and enduring him. And when we have that lifestyle, the woman said she worshiped, and then she asked Jesus for help. I like that song that says, what have you done for him lately? Is there an altar in your house that you make a special time with the Lord? Is there music on your radio that, that, that makes a special time with the Lord? I, I've been keeping Skylar Friday night, and we've been going out to the cantrails, goofing around. So we got in the car, got the baby buckles down, and I said, do you want to listen to rock? Or you want to listen to worship? So she said, I want to listen to rock. So we put K106.5 uh, on, and we was doing some Bob Seger, and we did a little Deep Purple, and then I think uh, Pink Floyd came on. She didn't like Pink Floyd. She said, let's do worship. So we put the worship on, and I promise you from the back seat, I can hear her. I know what Courtney and Michael have playing at their house because my, my granddaughter can, can, can repeat and sing on note. Did you notice that she's on note? And then yesterday she was harmonizing with herself. And I was blown away. I said, only God can do that. But you've got to raise them up in an environment of prayer. You raise them up in an environment of worship. I remember as a child uh, in my bedroom, and, and, and for some reason there was great peace that would come when I heard my dad walking the aisle of, of the, between the bedrooms, the aisle there in the hallway. My dad was walking the aisle, and my dad was calling out to God. My dad was praying for the members of the church. He was praying for his family and praying for his finances. As a kid, I'll never forget overhearing my dad pray. And parents, one of the greatest legacies you can leave your children is for them to see you consistently walking, speaking out loud, declaring the praises of God, the glory of God, asking God for things, believing God for things. I believe the cake is in prayer. 
as every head is bowed, as every eyes closed, just for a moment. You are the God that is more than enough. You don't ration. You're not chintzy. You're not stingy. But you've given us laws, and you've given us guidelines that we live by. And as we honor the laws that you have put into our life, as we honor our parents, honor our government, honor our church, the Bible says you watch over your word to perform it. We thank you this morning that you are a good God, and you're a God that's more than enough. We ask this week for some doors to be opened. We ask for some raises to be provided. We ask for some miracles to take place. We ask for direction. We ask that we would receive divine input this week on how to do the things you want us to do, to go the places you want us to go, to see and to be what you want us to see and be. And we ask those things in the powerful name of Jesus. And they all said, amen. Did you enjoy the teaching this morning? I am glad that you enjoyed it. Look at somebody and say, the cake is in the crumbs. The cake is in the crumbs. I'm going to give you a chance to sow into the kingdom.